Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. And we are excited to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. Today, we're going to take a look at a Psalm that is familiar to some of us. It is one I discovered early on in my walk with the Lord. And honestly, it's one to which I still cling when the storms of life are washing over me. It's Psalm 37, written by David, who certainly understood the faith conundrum when it looks like those who don't follow God are better off than those who do. Uh, And he wrestled Mm. with trusting. And that's what it's all about deep down is trust. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about Psalm 91. So take it away, Lynn. Okay, so as you said, our lesson theme or topic today is trust. And just because it's a new study doesn't mean I'm giving up my old ways. So let's begin with the definition for trust so that we are all starting at the same point. Hmm. So I looked it up in the good old Webster, Merriam-Webster, is that what it's called? That that sounded weird. <laughs> Dictionary. And You actually used a book you didn't I look did. it up online? Well, no, I looked it up online, <laughs> but it was that book. It was uh-huh. from that book. Yeah. So trust is defined as firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So since we are talking about trusting God, I'm going to amend that to say firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, and strength of God. When we think of all that God is, all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging, you know, go ahead and fill in your favorite adjective here, we should have no trouble trusting Him, right? Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, unfortunately for me at least, it's not always that easy. I say that I trust Him, and I really believe that I trust Him, but often my actions tell a different story. And that story is addressed in these two psalms today. So I'm going to start with Psalm 37. And it's those first three words that just sum it all up for me. Do not fret. Ugh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of an old-fashioned word, fretting, right? So what does that mean? Well, it's all those things that just stick in our mind and spin around and don't let go. Things like worry, anxiety resentment, jealousy, and self-pity, and they just take over. They control our thoughts. Now, I will tell you that I've always thought I was a pretty calm and level-headed person who didn't (laughs) worry that much, but I have to tell you, Jan, these last couple of years have done a number on me. Mm. You know, between the global pandemic, we've got climate issues, we've got war, we've got mass shootings, you know, everything that seems to go on on a daily basis right now all around us, fretting seems to have become a default mode for me. Mm. But our God is a good and generous God. And he doesn't just tell us what not to do. He doesn't just say, don't fret. He tells us what to do instead. He says to trust him, to delight in him, to commit ourselves to him, and to rest in him. And if we do these things, that fretting That worry is just going to fade away. Yeah, that sounds simple. Yeah. Mm. So, Jan, do you have anything that comes to mind that you find yourself over and over again fretting over? Well, yes. I have to confess that I come from a long line of Olympic champion warriors. (laughs) I mean, if my mother didn't have anything to worry about, she would make something up to worry about. Um, 
But as the Lord has graciously opened up for me the experience of His sovereignty, um, showing me His faithfulness and how His plans really are better than mine, I find that I worry less, especially about the big stuff you just mentioned, mm-hmm. and that, frankly, I don't have any over- control over anyway, right? Right, right. However, I will confess that I still worry or fret mostly over our grandchildren. Mm. Somehow or another, it seems harder to entrust them to the Lord's gracious care mm. than it is to trust Him for myself, especially for their spiritual growth yeah. um, and their faith. Mm. And that is so silly. I mean, who is better able to do anything about that than God? Yeah, I know. Why do I think I can affect it? Yeah. Well, years ago, I was pretty devastated to learn that worry was really just lacking trust in God. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Worry is not trusting God. Well, as I've already said, worry takes all kinds of shapes. And there's not just the worry that something bad is going to happen. That's out there for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's also just that turmoil in our heads that comes from resentment and even jealousy. I mean, have you ever looked at someone and thought they don't deserve what they have, but you do? (laughs) Or have you ever felt sorry for yourself because of something you want, but you don't have? You know, what about when you see someone who seems to have it all, but they've gotten it in ways that seem to reward bad behavior? It's very annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think we've all had those kinds of worries at one time or another, if we're being really honest with mm-hmm. ourselves. And you can add to that worrying list that we worry about we're not getting what we want, when we want, and how we want it. Yeah, especially in this instant yeah. gratification world Exactly. We well, this psalm addresses all this by saying, just trust God to handle everything. He will deal with the wicked people and protect the righteous. Now, first of all, it's up to him to know who the wicked actually are. That's not our decision to make. Mm-hmm. And then he assures us that vindication and vengeance are his, not ours. What if the wicked, what, what if what the wicked have is temporary? What he gives us is eternal. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose it when they die. We're not going to lose our eternal salvation. Okay, so, so so deciding who is wicked uh-huh. is is above our pay grade. Absolutely. Particularly with the judgment involved with that. Uh-huh. But discerning who might be wicked is not above our pay grade. Okay. We're going to go back to Psalm 1, right? That's right. I, I want to interrupt here and take a page out of your book, and, and that is defining wicked and evil and foolish also. It uses those okay. in the Psalms so that we can understand what the psalmist means. The psalmist means something very specific. But we usually mean something else by those words. And so we're going to tease those apart this morning so we can go forward in this study knowing what we're talking about. I want to start by saying there is clear evil in the world, Mm -hmm. clear evil. Our enemy, Satan, is purely evil. Mm -hmm. I, I heard a definition recently that really stuck with me, that Evil is able to make you believe a lie is the truth. Mm. Evil is able to make you believe the lie is the truth. And that doesn't have to be a big thing. That can Mm -hmm. be a little thing. Like think, for example, of the negative self-talk that many of us have. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Jan, you're fat. You need to lose 30 pounds. You'll never be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Those are lies. Mm Mm-hmm. God loves us. We are precious to Him. Mm -hmm. We belong to Him. 
That's the truth. Right. And that's why it's so important to cling to Jesus and God's word, because that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get tricked by Satan in a while. So mm-hmm. it helps us discern in, in that process. But we can be more subtle about wicked <laughs> just in our daily lives. We tend to think of, I bet you do, I do, a wicked or an evil person as someone who's depraved. Oh, right. Who deliberately harms others, mm-hmm. who who loves to break the Ten Commandments, if you will, who uh, lies, cheats, steals, yes. kills, maybe not literally, but reputations, uh-huh. um, those kinds of things. Their bad character is obvious to us. Mm-hmm. And of course, they are no one that we would want to associate with, okay. right? Yes. In other words, the wicked and the evil are someone else. Oh, okay. They are the <laughs> yes. other. Yes. Right? But thinking of evil in this black and white way mm-hmm. enables us to escape from the convicting truths of the Psalms. Okay. All right. Remember back to Psalm 1. A wicked person, an evildoer, a foolish person in the Psalms is someone who doesn't follow the path laid out by God's instructions. And they can, from a human perspective, be a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, we've We've all said that. Yeah. Oh, well, that person's not a believer, but they're a good person. Right. Right? The psalmist doesn't allow for that. It's a person who doesn't follow the path that God has laid out. Mm-hmm. And which one of us doesn't fall into that category right. at some time or another? So if you find yourself thinking, well, at least I don't do that. Yeah. Or, well, I've never done that. Mm-hmm. That's when we need to pause. Yeah. And we must see ourselves with the capacity to be both righteous and wicked. Otherwise, we wouldn't need a Savior. That's There's so no true. reason for Jesus, yeah, right? So, true. so we have to see ourselves in these Psalms, not just a wicked person as somebody else, mm-hmm. right? The Psalms reveal us as we really are. As we said, it holds a mirror up, warts and all. Mm. They make it clear that choosing to follow God's covenant instructions is ultimately a far, far better way to live than not following those instructions, even though we may not see that for a while. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's it. That's yeah. the end of my tirade. No, thank you for that. That's a that's something that I think we can all um, reluctantly look at. <laughs> well, <laughs> at ourselves. it's called sin nature. Yeah, that's right. That's it's like right. not trusting. Worrying is a sin. Yeah, that's oh. right. Okay, I want to focus for a minute on verse four that says, Mm. he will give us the desires of our heart. Ah, I love that. Isn't that amazing? Yes. But notice what he's not saying. He's not saying that he's going to give us everything we want. So we have to ask ourselves, what is meant by the desire of my heart? Well, when I am in full-on trust mode with the Lord, the desire of my heart is to be closer to Him. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. It's all about my relationship with Him, knowing who He is and whose I am. And, you know, it sounds so simple, and it is simple. It's just not easy. So let's talk a little bit about strategy. You know, what do we do when we find ourselves in that do- downward spiral of worry? Um, Jan, as you know, recently, several people in my life whom I love and treasure have been in really severe crisis, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a helpless feeling for me. And because of my sometimes shaky trust in the Lord, I find myself consumed with worry and anxiety. And who do you think that benefited? 
Not you. <laughs> no one, actually. No one. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully, I was aware enough and have enough people in my lives to point out what is happening to me. And I turned to prayer, really lamenting what I was feeling. And it does change. It mm-hmm. changes your heart and it changes your, your thoughts. And, you know, it brings me back to being confident that God will do what he says he will do. He's mm-hmm. in control. You know, it restores my trust until I start worrying again. Uh, yeah. And that is the cycle <laughs> for me. Well, that's a cycle I think all of us can identify with, Lynn, and have all been in at mm-hmm. one time or another. Mm-hmm. You know, we trust God with this and then we take it back. We trust mm-hmm. God with this and then we take it back. Mm-hmm. You know, as human beings, we live so much by sight that it is really, really hard to cling to faith and trust Mm -hmm. in the midst of pain and circumstances when we don't see God at work at all, uh, much less as fast and in the way we want Him Mm -hmm. uh, to work. So it's just really difficult. What helps me, and I will say it does not solve the problem, Mm -hmm. but it does help, uh, first of all, is to remember all the times that God has been faithful. Mm -hmm. Uh, mostly that involves remembering when he has worked things out in a far better way than I could ask or imagine, yeah. and certainly far better uh, uh, in the way that I wanted it to be. Right. You know, God hasn't changed. What he did once or twice, or in my case, innumerable times, he will do again. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of helps steady me when I'm in that cycle of worry. The second thing, believe it or not, is to be still. Be still and know that He is God. That sounds easy. Again, it's not simple. I mean, it sounds, yes, it sounds easy. It isn't. (laughs) That's right. Um, I I can't really see what God is up to unless my heart and my mind get off that worry treadmill, Mm -hmm. and I can be still and listen and wait. Mm -hmm. So stillness for me is the path into Christ's peace and Christ's presence. And that's where I go when I get, am choked, yep. when I get choked and wound up, wrapped around the axle, as we say, about worry, yep. is to be still and know that He is God. Well, I have my own theory about why we worry, and I am convinced that it is a tool of the enemy that He uses very intentionally and deliberately to separate us from God to erode our trust in in God, to Mm -hmm. break apart that intimate relationship and push us further apart. Um, Have you ever heard the phrase, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it makes me laugh too. But it's also really sad because it's true. Mm. Um, I was looking up all this information on worry, of course, for this podcast. And I came across... Were you worrying about worry? I wasn't worrying about it. I was just trying to get information. (laughs) And I came across a study on worry that fascinated me. And what this study concluded was that 85% of what we worry about never happens. And if you take that 15% where it does happen, 79% of that 15% found that it wasn't as difficult or as horrible or as unmanageable as they thought it was going to be when they were worrying about it. So I'm not a mathematician, but what the study said is that that means that 97% of what we worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing us with exaggerations 
and misperceptions. No. And that, I think, is where the enemy has us. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I I have such a vivid imagination. Mm-hmm. I can create disaster after disaster in my mind over nothing, thank yes. you to the legacy from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a weird way, Lynn, I find that statistic to be encouraging. 90%, 97% of what we worry over, we don't need to worry over. Mm-hmm. But it's also a very sobering statistic, especially when you consider the damage that is associated with worry, mm-hmm. both physically, emotionally, psychologically, relationally. Yeah. The fact is worry has consequences Absolutely. for us and for others, and others can be infected by our worry. Mm-hmm. So I can see why worry is a great tool used by our enemy, mainly because generally it works every time. Yeah. And it distracts us from the one who can actually do something about what we're worrying about. That's exactly right. Yeah, it disconnects us from God. Yeah, so I'll just repeat myself here one more time. If we are worrying, we are not trusting God. Mm. And we are not trusting Him because our worry pulls us away from Him. And when we are disconnected from Him, we start to forget who He is. Mm. You know, He is our God Almighty. And we are so forgetful. Doesn't this discussion of worry remind you of that dinner in Martha's house where she's scurrying around uh, trying to prepare a meal for 12 unexpected guests and Jesus, and she gets mad at her sister because Mary's not helping her, Mm -hmm. which frankly seems kind of reasonable to me. But anyway, Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by so many things. There's only one thing that is necessary. And Mary had chosen that one thing. That's right. Which was to sit at Jesus' feet and listen. In other words, not to worry. She chose not to worry. So let's take a look at what happens when we put God intentionally into this equation. So say you start feeling yourself getting worried about a situation in your life. As I see it, you have two choices. First, you can nurture that worry and help it grow completely out of proportion by focusing it, focusing on it and on your helplessness to control it. And it will take over your mind and it will fill you with anxiety. Or you can go directly to God and give it to him and trust him to handle it for you. Now, I want you to notice that I am not saying here to hide your fears or to pretend they don't exist so that they'll go away. That just makes them worse. It makes them worse. Instead, what you need to do is bring them into the light. And by that, I specifically mean the light of Jesus. You know, acknowledge your feelings before God and ask him to take them from you. Or if that's not his plan, to empower you to handle them. You know, trust him to handle what you bring to him. We all know that keeping things in the dark gives them more power. Bring them into the light. That's what we're instructed to do. Mm -hmm. The very act of bringing them into the light frequently diminishes them. Exactly. And, And that's a good reminder, Lynn, that we actually do have a choice in all this. We can choose to trust the Lord. Or we can choose to worry. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it reminds me of that Native American proverb about two dogs. Feed the one you want to win. That's exactly right. Well, we can feed trust or we can feed worry. But it is a choice. It is a choice. So this is where we get to our second psalm today. Um, let's look at Psalm 91. And this is a psalm that we can actually hold on to and pray, I think, when we start to fret. It will feed the dog we want to win. That's right. Feed the dog of trust. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the first four verses 
talks about what it looks like to have faith in God and why he is trustworthy. He is our refuge and fortress in whom we can trust. There it is. Trust him. And I just love the two descriptions of his protection here. You know, first, (laughs) he's this impenetrable fortress. And Mm. then he is sheltering wings. Now, I think we all know what a fortress is. Very strong. But what about these sheltering wings? We had a a dove nesting outside of one of our windows, and it was so wonderful watching her protecting those babies, those hatchlings from wind and rain with literally with her wings. Mm -hmm. And that's what God does. He shelters us from the storms of life with his wings. Now, notice he does not protect us from the storms. He protects us in the storms. That is so true. We had chickens when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, there is nothing more protective than a mother hen. Mm -hmm. I still have a scar to prove it. (laughs) Uh, the whole of 90, Psalm 91 reminds me that God's love is intimate and tender, but it is also fierce um, and absolutely. strong. Yeah. So then we go on to verses 5 through 13, and we learn about the peace we get from God and the ways He protects us. You know, when God is our refuge in trouble, nothing can separate us from Him. And that's kind of hard for me to grasp because, you know, my mind immediately goes to all the physical harm that we face in this life. And it's, mm-hmm. it's real. But, you know, that's not really what he's talking about here. He tells us we're going to go through hard things. But what he says is when we dwell with him, our spirit cannot be separated from him or harmed. He's talking about mm-hmm. what is eternal versus what is temporary. And then we go on in verses 14 through 16, and there are seven beautiful promises that God gives us for trusting in Him. You know, He rescues and protects us. He answers our prayers. He is by our side in trouble. He delivers us and honors us. And best of all, He gives us His salvation. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, Jan, but I can't think of a better prayer that I can pray when I'm worried than this psalm. Absolutely. I'm putting Psalm 91 on my go-to list when I'm worried because all of these attributes of God will certainly right-size me, Mm -hmm. right-size the worry, and focus me on God's love and grace and power. Yeah. So what is trust in the Lord? It means expecting, expecting His protection and provision more than worrying about the danger because whatever the danger we face— God has an answer. So I want to talk about one more strategy that I have very recently come up with that is already helping me. Now, Jan, as you know, for years, (laughs) I've journaled twice a day, and I don't want anyone to be too impressed with that. That sounds really big. I'm impressed because you use beautiful colored pens. Well, that's true. I do that. (laughs) And I do draw pictures. Exactly. Um, But it's not as involved as it sounds. Um, In the morning, I start my day this way. I choose a specific characteristic of God that I want to focus on that day. So today, my choice was God is trustworthy mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah, no surprise. Yeah. And then I go to scripture and I find a reference that I can meditate on to remind me all day long what that characteristic is. So since today was trustworthy, I found Psalm 9 verse 10, which says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken 
those who seek you. Mm. And then at the end of the day, I go back and I reflect on what I've learned and naming things that I'm grateful for that day. Now, this is my practice. As I said, it's been like this for years and I plan to continue it, but I've added something to this. I started a second journal to write my fears and worries in. in. And I got this and pulled it out, this new notebook, and I wrote on it my worry journal. But as soon as I wrote it, I was like, oh, no, no, (laughs) that is focusing on the wrong thing. So I tore that page out. Of course, I couldn't scratch it out because Mm -hmm. that'd be ugly. So I tore that page out and I changed it to my trust journal. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Now, this journal is not one that I write in every day, um, thankfully. I save this for the times when I am just really overwhelmed by worry. I mean, really focusing on something that I cannot get my mind off. And I break out that journal. And then I really dig deep. I'm writing not only what I'm worried about, but I'm writing all those imaginary endings Mm. that I'm worried about. You know, I'm writing those things down um, and worrying about what else might come up um, and how am I going to solve these problems? Well, yeah, I'm not. But you're you're writing about the treadmill you're on. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Okay, got it. So I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. First, this is my way of bringing it into the light, right? We talked about that. It, get, it takes away some of its power for me yeah. to just write those words down onto paper instead of leaving them locked in my mind. So, you know, God already knows what I'm doing, um, but it's opening me up. It's giving me an opportunity to trust in Him. And then the other thing that it does is it gives me a record. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. this is written down that I can go back to and I can reread and I can reflect on. And, you know, I can tell you so far, I've not been disappointed because even when he hasn't taken away the problem, I can see the proof in my heart that he's taken away the worry. Mm. And that is all about trust and me trusting him. You know, it helps me to step back and take that long view instead of being mired down in the moment. And that long view is that God wins and I am saved. That's his promise. And he is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that I can notice when I look back over time about what I've written is that if I have picked that worry up, if I'm reading it and going, oh, wait a minute, I'm still doing this. It reminds me to lay it back down at the feet of Jesus. You know, his mercy is not a one-time thing. If I keep taking back something that I have given to him, as long as I go back again, he's not going to hold it against me. He's going to take it back again. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going to confess again and let go. Because he is a merciful God. That's right. You know, and how often we have to do that. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great idea, Lynn. It's kind of like something we did for our daughter. She was a great worrier when she was little, you know, the heritage from the grandmother to the mother to the daughter. And uh, you know how literal kids can be. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we created a literal worry jar, which I now wish I had labeled the trust jar. (laughs) It was a a mayonnaise jar, you know. And she could write down her fears and worries and cares and put them in the jar. Now, she didn't have to. And sometimes she chose not to. She Mm -hmm. just wanted to worry about it some more. Yeah. But if she did put them in the jar, she couldn't take them out again. Oh. And that worked for her. Mm-hmm. It's just like she let them go. Once she had stated it and written it down, it was in the light, and it went. Mm-hmm. 
to Jesus and she didn't have to worry with it anymore. Your trust journal is something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the concrete act of writing honestly sometimes itself brings clarity. Yeah. And it's always good to have a memory jogger. Mm-hmm. I mean, we forget so easily that it's always good to have something that reminds us. Yeah, so true. Okay, so what are we going to leave our friends with today? Well, I just want to encourage our listeners to think about this question. What do you need to bring to the light of Jesus and leave it with Him? Mm. Mm. And I would like them to ponder their memory joggers. You know, mm-hmm. what, what helps you remember God's faithfulness in the past? Until next time. <laughs>